The NBA playoffs are heating up and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Live! From MMA Fighting Studios, this is Between the Links. And now, your host, Mike Heck. The iconic voice of Esther Lynn welcomes you to a brand new edition of BTL. Thank you for joining us on another Thursday. Apologies for the late start, but we got through the technical difficulties. A lot to discuss on a rare week off for the UFC, so let's get into it and introduce the combatants, some MMA fighting, infighting, which I always enjoy. Let us introduce first, he's Mr. No Gray Area, Mr. No Hot Take, Mr. Damn They Were Good, one half of No Bets Barred, he's MMA Fighting Zone, Jed Bishu. Good to see you again. Great to see you, Mike, happy to be here. Um, a little thrown off my game because Two minutes before we went live, I was just informed of the Chandler Jones uh, saga that's going on, brother of John Jones. Uh, and this is wild. So all the best to him and his family, because I don't know what the hell's going on there, Mike. Yes, we do wish him the best and hopefully he's all right. But back on the show, maybe Chandler just needs a little positivity. And who better to bring that positivity than the Prince of Positivity, the co-host of On to the Next One. And my best friend, also from MMAFighting.com, he is Mr. Alexander Kaylee. AK, how are you, sir? Oh, hello, my best friend, and all my best friends out there in TV land. Uh, I, I'm not going to lie, I, I've already started, like, cheating, because I, I sent that uh, news, the Chandler Jones news, to Jed to throw him off. Uh, more accurately, our it editor w- said it, it worked. to me. Our, it our editor said it to me. I have passed it along. And uh, Jed, I know Jed cannot be completely on the ball for between the links today so fingers crossed probably my, I, not really but anyway uh that i can get another w today 
look, I am just a man. And if you start throwing out accusations about Aaron Hernandez, I'm, I, it's going to throw me off my game. I don't know how to react to this. It's, it's baffling. Great yeah, side for Kaylee here. Well, we will try to move past this, at least for now. Again, hopefully he's doing okay and he can get on the other side of this. But let's talk about UFC Vegas 79 to kick things off. Jed Mishu, we had a main event that ended abruptly and ended in an unfortunate way. First round between Rafael Fazeev and Matush Gamrod is everything we hoped for and more. It was incredible. The striking, the scrambles, everything about that first round was the fight this is what we expected for 25 minutes or so and then rafael vazib throws the kick with his right leg left leg plants funny goes down in a heap ends up tearing his acl and matush gamrot even though it wasn't the way he drew it up picks up the biggest win of his ufc career so the fight didn't last very long jed mishu but what did we learn from matush gamrot in this victory even though it's not the way he wanted it to happen uh nothing i i don't i did we learn anything look that fight was i think what we all expected um super fun i thought gamrot showed you know some some good stuff on the feet not like amazing and that's not where he's going to win the fight but able to contest uh survived a couple of really big shots from fazeev tried to get his wrestling going classic gamrot style got one of six takedown attempts like that's just sort of who he is um i think that fight was everything we thought it was going to be and there's nothing to take away because the fight got taken away from us you know you can't blame matush gamma for that not his fault would happen but that's it he is also not the cause of the injury that's just one of those fluke things uh the human body is really not built for this in general and fazeev came up on the wrong end of it so uh good for Matush Gamrot to still be standing you know that's that's your health oh that's always a win but I, I took nothing from this fight just because of how it all played out what what ended up ultimately happening with it so yeah um disappointing end uh, I hope in the future at some point um probably long off given how long Fazeev will be on the bench but we get to run this back because it was living up to what we thought it could be as far as a competitive matchup AK, did you learn anything from this fight, especially on the Gamrot side? Gets the win, didn't get to fight his whole fight, but a win is a win. Did you learn anything here? I'll put the positive spin on it right away. Nothing that we saw, as little as there was, should you know deter anyone from considering Gamrot to be someone who you know can compete in the top five, can be a future title challenger. It was only a round and a bit of action, but yeah, that 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 uh, you know very entertaining grappling style is there. I like his ambition. I like that he again the call out was a little murky after, but we understand now he wants Charles Oliveira under the assumption that Dobronx uh, is going to lose to Islam Makachev in their rematch at UFC 294. So that's one thing that we can't take away from him. He's a man of ambition. He's a, he's. I think he's not incorrect that he is close to a title shot. Um, both him and Fazeev, what made this fight so important was that they had both had shots at guys in the top five and 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 not necessarily pulled out, uh, you know, had not pulled out a victory. So it is really, really unfortunate we didn't get a winner here because – that would have guaranteed them a top five opponent. I still think Gamrot gets it, but the the uh, unsatisfying end to the fight 
means that he could be matched up with someone else again closer to him in the eight nine ten range maybe even someone outside the top 10 so uh, that's that's a tough break for him but i do like he's at least putting it out there putting it out into the universe and letting the matchmakers know hey at the end of the day this was a win very unfortunate how it happened but let's move on. You know, he didn't do the thing like, oh, well, that was disappointing. Um, I'll fight whoever the I'll fight whoever the UFC wants me to fight next. I know I've I've got the title to my sights down the road. I'll beat whoever I have to beat to get there. No, he said, this is a win. Give me one of the top three guys, whether it's Charles Oliveira or someone else, and let me get my title shot soon. So, if anything, we learned he's not lacking in ambition. But that that's about. It. Other than that, in in cage wise, there just wasn't a lot you could take away from there. What are the chances in your mind, AK? And I know we talked about matchmaking on, on to the next one. What are the chances he gets Oliver if he loses to Makachev or gets a top five guy? Or, I mean, because some people brought up after on to the next one, well, Arnold Allen got Max Holloway after the unfortunate injury in the Calvin Cater fight, but Arnold Allen had also not gotten a chance to fight a top five guy before. And then he gets the dude that basically gets you to the title fight and loses that fight. But for Matush Gamera, he's gotten his top five fight. He got Benil Dariush and he lost that fight. While there's other guys in this division that are looking to get that opportunity that he has gotten already. Rafael Fazib got it as well. What are the chances he gets a top five guy? Or do you think he's just going to kind of have to either fight backwards or fight in the same range he's at right now? I'm actually leaning towards like 55%. I, I think he has a chance. I, I think, again, by, by making his intentions clear, I think the UFC likes that. By saying the right things in the microphone, I think the UFC likes that. Because there's just nothing he can control about that injury. That, was, that wasn't his fault. Mike, the the Arnold example, Arnold Allen example is really good because uh, it ended up being, he ended up getting Max Holloway because Max Holloway is the kind of guy who he's in limbo and he just wants to keep fighting good opponents. So he's going to fight the Arnold Allens of the world. And if the Arnold Allens, you know, want to stay busy and want to shot the title, they have to go through the Max Holloways. That could be the next stage of Oliveira's career if he doesn't beat Makachev again because he's not, he will likely not get another shot in Makachev as long as Islam is at the top which could be for a while, depending whether Islam wants to go do the two-division champ thing. Uh, so he might end up being that super exciting, reliable Max Holloway type. And if he wants to get back in there, let's say he does lose and he wants to get back in there January or February, wants to stay busy, wants to keep catching checks, wants to keep fighting high-level opponents, Gamrot fits that bill pretty well. So I will – and I've also said uh, I believe it's possible – that he could also get Michael Chandler if this Chandler McGregor thing you know drags on for another six months. Um, I think I think it's kind of looking good for January, February, but we're talking about McGregor. I wouldn't bet on it. So uh, if you consider Chandler a top five guy, I think he is in the UFC's rankings, and that would count. And I do think Oliveira is possible too. So yeah, I think as as crappy as that fight ended for Gamrat and especially Fazeev, Gamrat's not in a bad position, man. I think he can get a top five opponent next. Chad, agree or disagree? I think it's 50-50. A lot of moving parts here. Um, to me, I think this ultimately hangs on Charles Oliveira and what he wants to do if he does lose to Makachev because he, he has not thus far been a guy who's trying, who's doing the Dustin Poirier, I'm not going to fight these guys thing um, because that's just sort of been how his career has worked out. But he loses a second time to Makachev. He's well and truly out of the title picture at that point in time. He's a legend in the game, former champion. The question becomes, does he want? Does he say, I have enough 
credit built up that I don't have to take these fights back. I can wait for the right spots. Maybe I'll rematch Dustin Poirier because that's a fun, you know, fight between two guys of this level. And Poirier, I think, would take that fight. Uh, and I think that there's a possibility he does that. I don't know Charles well enough uh, or feel like I know him well enough to know if that's true because he also, you know, he did fight Benny Darius. He does seem to be open to this idea of, man, I'll, I'll just whoop up on these dudes, whoever. So if he's open to it, I think that Gamrot's actually going to get that um, if Oliveira loses. If Oliveira wins, they're probably going to do a trilogy with Magachev and then Gamrot's well and truly out of it because Poirier is not going to fight him. Gaethje's not going to fight him. Darius, they already fought. and Darius, it seems like, is going to be fighting Armand Sarukian. That's a whole separate texture of this is like, well, if Sarukian beats Darius, where does that put him in the title fight? I think the answer is either he's going to get the fight he wants with Oliveira or he's going to end up having to fight Grant Dawson after Grant Dawson very likely beats Bobby Green next weekend. I think that's next weekend. Maybe that's the one in two weekends. Whatever. That's next the month. When the, no, yeah, next month. Uh, that that fight just makes way too much sense given their timelines. And that's unfortunate for Gamrot because he has uh, functionally fought back twice with the – actually, Fiziev might have been above him, I guess. So maybe he did get to fight up. But he fought back with Jalen Turner, got that win. Can't blame him for what happened with Fiziev. Seems like they're, it's just going to be one of those situations where because Poirier is not going to fight anybody uh, – then he's screwed because in a meritocratic world, he would be fighting Dustin Poirier. That like that is the fight that makes the most sense logically here. Dustin's just not going to do that. Um, and so he gets a little bit screwed by that part of the whole game. So yeah, probably going to be Grant Dawson. But if Oliveira does lose and if Oliveira isn't, you know, isn't going to be on the celebrity fight tour, um, then maybe he can get what he's what he's hoping for. It's a weird spot because Dawson's an ATT guy. I don't know how tight they are. It seems like because when Dawson was on BTL, it was right before the Gamrod Sarukian fight, I believe. And he said that they trained together, but I don't know. Like, it's a big gym. I kill Cliff so, since Kill Cliff in 296. So I could be wrong. Don't quote me on this. I believe that uh, I saw an interview with Dawson where they train together, but they aren't like that tight and they might be okay. open to fighting one another. But that also might be we're open to fighting one another for the belt, not a mat, well, not that kind of matchup, which sort of wouldn't go yeah. anywhere. So I, it's just at some point, the ATT people like ATT is too big a gym for this sort of thing to happen. Like you just yeah. you can't not fight everybody at ATT because they're pretty cool. Like they half of the top lightweights are ATT or whatever. <laughs> Poirier's there. Do that. Mercado's there. It's so yeah. What about Dan Hooker? I think Dan Hooker's a, a fine name coming off of a win over Jalen Turner. That's not a I bad one. At least it's a name. I forget that Dan Hooker's real. I am so exceedingly confident that Dan Hooker's done. That like that's a terrific win over Jalen Turner. Uh, I'm just so confident that that's a career changing fight. In the same way that like Lawler Condit was like he he lost something in himself, and I think we're gonna find out. But yeah, I mean, that's fine. It all just sucks because the truth is he deserves to fight upward. Like all of these guys do, and four of the top five guys have no interest in fighting people. Like Justin Gaethje, I can't totally blame him. He has done what he needs to do to earn his title shot, and he did fight back against Fazeev. Fair. Dustin Poirier, 
again, the ATT thing, I don't know if they even would, but I can absolutely blame him for not fighting, wanting to fight back. Uh, Charles Oliveira, again, may or may not be that guy. And Michael Chandler is desperately holding on to the hope that a Conor McGregor fight. And individually, I can understand each of their cases, and I'm not saying that they're doing the wrong things for themselves, but in the grander scheme of the best weight class in this sport, uh, it is really, really shit when four of the top five dudes are not interested in playing the game for others. I, I do want to touch on a couple more things from this card before we move on. Uh, AK, I'll go to you. We had a main event with some high stakes at lightweight, right? Lightweight is, you know, it's it, to me, it's the best division in the sport. Some people think it's number two, but the divisional stakes, everything involved here, it was a huge fight. But I don't think anybody had more pressure on than Bryce Mitchell on Saturday. This guy was in a, about as much win of a situation as there could be. Got a tough opponent in Danny Gay. Close, close fight. Bryce Mitchell gets it done. Coming off of the the, the pretty bad loss to Ilya Taporia. Great Bryce Mitchell's in-cage product, AK. This is a massive win and one he needed very, very badly. Yeah, I thought his performance was outstanding. I loved that fight. It's not like one of my 10 favorite fights of the year or anything, but as far as, uh, you know, grappling-centric MMA fights go, it was really, really fun to watch. I thought so. Not not that it was full of crazy scrambles or all that stuff, but like seeing uh, Dan Ige, who has a great ground game, you know, being pretty prepared for Bryce Mitchell, being pretty prepared for his tacks. I think he had the right game plan. And Mitchell just having to sort of power through to adapt on the fly. The back take uh, near the end of the fight was just fantastic. It, it was it was a, a very good performance for him, and he really needed it. He really needed it. I had said for that fight, he uh, of the of the guys in the main card. I think he has the most to lose because the Taporia fight looks really bad. Whether you want to say it's just because Taporia is really great, which he is, whether you want to believe that Mitchell had the flu, which he probably did, uh, fans for the most part don't care about that. They care. You, they care about the in cage product. You stepped in there, you got handled pretty bad. You lost. Suddenly, you go from again uh, a guy that everyone's looking at as a contender to oh, you were exposed. Like Tapori is the real contender. Uh, Bryce Mitchell is another pretender. So he needed this one, especially since Danny Gay, great fighter, uh, not a guy who is likely close to a title shot himself. So if you lose to if you lose to him, which I thought he could have, I think I had picked Ige to win by decision. Then, then you're really far out. Uh, and then we're talking about featherweight, where it's just killers coming up all the time. So I don't know if Mitchell, I don't know how far removed it would have uh, taken Mitchell from the featherweight contender conversation and if he would have even been able to get back. That That's how important I feel that win was. And I know we're just talking about the in-cage, but I will say he's made so many headlines with his sort of outside-the-cage personality, his belief in conspiracy theories and all that stuff, that if he, if he doesn't keep putting on performances like this, he risks becoming a meme. You know what I mean? He risks becoming just a character. It's like, it's like, oh, Mitchell's good, but I really, you know, I'm really interested in him just because of it. He's a wild man and his, his personality. I, I like his, how passionate he is about his religion and stuff like that. And that's great. He could become a very popular fighter with his shtick, with his, I say shtick, but I think he's pretty genuine about these things. Uh, with, 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 you know, the things he says, his, out, his outlandish comments. But I think he wants more than that. I think as much as he's a, a personality now and someone who's like, you know, stands by his beliefs and everything. I do think that he still believes he can, you know, fight for that title and become champion someday. And he had to prove it on Saturday. And I think he did big time. So um, that's, that's the beauty of it is you can like a fighter or not. You can like the personality or not, but if they deliver in the cage, uh, then people are going to keep asking to see you fight. That's really the most important thing. Jed, what say you, what did you think of Bryce's performance? And 
I'll add to this. Was he the MVP of UFC Vegas 79? And AK, I'll let you answer this after. Uh, what did you think of Bryce's night at the office? Um, yeah, you're never going to be an MVP if you spout conspiracy nonsense afterwards. So you, that that just ain't it. Um, it was fine performance. It's about what I expected. Uh, he gave better boxer, but Mitchell, bigger dude, was able to do enough in the grappling realm to win the judges scorecards certainly saw some scores out there for Ige don't think those are awful um I I scored it for Mitchell but yeah this is about what I expected a good rebound for for Mitchell I don't know what his sort of ceiling is in this weight class uh featherweight is really really good it's not bantamweight and it's not lightweight but it's between them and probably the third best division in the sport though I'm open to arguments for welterweight as well um and so, like, you know, he's a top 10 guy, but his game remains fairly limited. Um, I don't think we've seen a ton of growth from him in the last couple of years, which is also problematic as far as where he would go. But, you know, he got a good win over a hard-nosed veteran, a guy who is, has been around the block for a very long time and been, been very, very successful. So great win, not the MVP. Uh, that fight wasn't, you know, fight was fun, certainly, but uh, – wasn't I mean, wasn't the fight of the night and wasn't even one of the like most memorable performances outside of um being really really weird in the post fight and like yeah that was incredibly off-putting to me not just for the part of the conspiracy part but like good for him trying to donate to hawaii even if maybe his intentions there are a little muddled or odd um but you know asking somebody to pray with you when you don't really know Danny Gay's stance on it and he f- seemed uncomfortable, maybe just maybe just don't don't put your religion on other people. That's always the request. It would be the same request you would make of me if we were there. So that would be that would just be better if we we did that. Uh MVP. I'm gonna say Tim Means, but I don't even know if that's true. I think there's a great argument for Marine Rodriguez. Uh, Brian Battle fun. I mean, there were a bunch of fun performances, but look, Tim Means, the Dirty Bird, still got it, baby. And and most importantly, Mike, the most important thing about Tim Means is I I know that you are an <laughs> avid listener of No Bets Barred, but this guy, this guy right here, <laughs> he knew that Tim Means by KO was happening. He said it was decidedly so, and you know what? It was. And that plus 450 prop bet on Tim Means by KO, at time looked a little sweaty, thought I might get it at various points, then thought I might not get it. Always trust the Magic 8-Ball. He just never let me down. So Tim Means is my my MVP. AK, one vote for Tim Means. Where's your vote going? It's going to the mute you. button. Yes. I had, I was double muted. I muted my device and I muted the yeah, program we're using. <laughs> uh, I want to make sure that people did not have to listen to me. Uh, it has to be Marina Rodriguez for me because I did not think we'd be talking about her at all after this card. Uh, the rematch was fine, It was, but we, uh, there was a lot of why is this 
fight happening. It was a run back of a of a last second five round main event, which was pretty good. Which was pretty good. That that fight was it was a good fight with her and um, Michelle Waterson Gomez. So it, it wasn't like unwelcome to see them to to see them fight again. The timing was just a bit weird because Michelle Waterson Gomez hasn't won a fight since then. So she's got this four fight losing streak now, which I think started with Marina and now is continued with Marina. And Marina Rodriguez uh, was struggling in her own right. But rankings wise, the numbers made sense. I think a lot of us thought it was going to go to a decision. Again, could be entertaining, but at the end of the day, forgettable and not seemingly of little consequence for either fighter. But the way Marina performs, she just annihilated Michelle Waterson Gomez. And, and it's Michelle Waterson Gomez has lost fights before. I, I can't remember the last time she was just straight up just hammered. I mean, this was unbelievably violent, uh, unbelievably. It sounds sick to say entertaining performance for if you're you know if you're rooting for Marina certainly. And then I thought the call-out was perfect. I thought the post-fight call-out of Tatiana Suarez, that's the way to go, man. You got to aim high because I think uh, Tatiana's 36 or 37 years old. She had a great window to challenge for the 115-pound title, but she got caught up in uh, the fighters at the top getting rematches and just having bigger names than her. So she never – she should have gotten a shot, but it was never a home run. It was never like, oh, this is like – outrageous that Marina Rodriguez is not getting a title shot. It was almost like always just justifiable enough not to give her that shot. And now she's way out of the picture. But if she beats Tatiana Suarez, then we're going to have this moment where we say, well, now you have to give Marina Rodriguez a title shot. Assuming Yan Shaonan and Zhang Weili happens, the path is clear for Tatiana or Marina, and that's the way to go. And we again we wouldn't have said this before the car i never thought of her calling out tatiana i didn't think we talking about marina getting close to a tele shot again is it a lot she'll be a huge underdog she'll be at least plus 300 probably against tatiana stars and that's fine because she can go fight somebody else she can keep collecting paychecks i think she still wants to be a world champion or at least get a world title shot just get a crack at it and that path goes through tatiana Suarez. any other now that gets her closer and if she beats her she leapfrogs a lot of names including some fighters that she's lost to so uh, A plus effort, A plus call out by Marina Rodriguez. I'm still surprised talking about it that we're saying she's the MVP of this event. Yeah, well said. Love the call out. Makes a lot of sense. And if she wants to get to a title fight, that's the fight she needs to win. So love it. Let's move on. The point for round one goes to. I mean, we have to reward the magic eight ball. It's one to nothing, Jed Mishu. Ooh, that's that's a new sound drop. Also, that's an old the magic one. Ape, is it? Oh, the magic eight ball is reward enough in itself. This guy printing yes. money. New gimmick. Listen to No Bets Bar next week, and we'll see what the eight ball plus, has to plus say. Plus three fifty. Plus three fifty <laughs> on the gimmick thus far. <laughs> Let's go. Wonderfully done. <laughs> the NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. Don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And new customers to DraftKings can bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. 
Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Didn't the gimmick also say Michelle Waterson too? Yeah, but it so lost one unit on Michelle Waterston, and it won 4.5 units on Tim Means by KO, plus 350. <laughs> <laughs> she didn't land a takedown 10 seconds into that fight. I'm like, oh, maybe Jen's I know. something. You, then, you slacked me, and I was like, oh, my God, this is the best. I was uh, I was at dinner with friends. I wasn't working the event, and my friends were like, what the hell's going on? Why are you cackling? I was like, because this is great. And then that lasted about and, 18 and, seconds. And then, you, and then you messaged me a minute later and like, I might have spoken too soon. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, Michelle Waters and Gomez, tougher than a $2 steak. Uh, let's head to Dublin for Bellator 299. And we'll begin with you, Jed Mishu, because Johnny Eblen retains the Bellator middleweight title in the main event. Two competitive rounds. Fabian Edwards opens up a gnarly cut above the eye of Johnny Eblen heading into round three. You could see this thing. It was nasty. Cutman did an incredible job kind of vaselining that thing up and keeping it from just leaking all over the place. And then Johnny Eblen gets a takedown and just unloads a barrage of ground and pound on Fabian Edwards, gets him out of there. All hell kind of breaks loose and then cooler heads prevail. What's your reaction? Johnny Eblen, Fabian Edwards? This was uh, a tougher fight than I think most expected it to be, but in the end... The result is what most accept, expected it to be. Johnny Evelyn still the Bellator middleweight champion. Here's my reaction, and as simple as terms I can possibly put it, Johnny Evelyn is the best middleweight on earth. Uh, that reality will be reflected in our latest rankings update whenever we have that i will be putting him at number one i currently have Drickus duplessis at number one because i couldn't i just i couldn't put sean strickland there i'm sorry that man lost 12 months ago i can't put him at number one uh so i think i think it's johnny edwin um I, it's not a runaway i'm not saying that he would beat everybody he fought 
but I, I think I would favor him at this point in time over every middleweight in the world, except maybe, maybe Adesanya and maybe Duplessis. But I, I think it's great. I think there are a lot of knocks you can have on him. Um, you can a lot of knocks you can have on that performance. It wasn't perfect. Um, he's still developing as a fighter. His striking game is still very raw, but. The overall texture of that fight, here's what I saw. I saw a guy who, despite some limitations, uh, approached this very, very smartly, the way he was fighting. Uh, I think if most people, if you told most people, hey, he's not going to score takedowns, they probably were like, well, Fabian Edwards is probably going to beat him up on the feet. Like he's, I think he's the better striker. And while that played out to some extent, I still scored the first two rounds for Eblin just on activity. He outworked him got to the spots that were successful for him in that way. And then in the third round, what really has made me feel confident in putting him as the number one middleweight in the world is, is that third round because that's championship shit right there. Like, Hey, I fought two rounds that were competitive. Uh, you know, my game plan was longer term. The game plan is out the window. There's a cut that is seriously jeopardizing my ability to win this fight. Even if I want to compete, they may simply stop it because of what has happened here. I have to finish this now and make this a non-factor moving forward. Something that really only like top, top level fighters can do, particularly against very quality opposition. I think Fabian Edwards is a quality middleweight. I have him ranked in the top 15. I think most of us do. MMAfighting.com great website has him as a top 15 middleweight. And he he turned on the Jets, man, and 20 seconds later, 20 seconds after it became apparent, hey, I am in jeopardy of something bad happening. I must end this. He did. That's championship-level shit. That's stuff that really haven't seen from, frankly, anybody else out there. Like, as great as Israel Edison is, when, when it was apparent that he was losing this fight, he shirked away from Sean Strickland while Sean Strickland screamed in his face and didn't didn't level up and go Super Saiyan on him. Johnny Eblen did when push came to shove. And that that given the and the rest of his resume, where he is as a fighter in his career, I I'm happy enough calling him the best middleweight on earth right now. AK, did you leave Bellator 299? Believing the same thing Jed did, that Johnny Eblen is the best middleweight in the world. Did you take that away from Saturday's card? I still can't do it. I can't pull the trigger on it. I've been one of the more conservative uh, Eblen rank. I will, I'll shout it out now. We probably have the right people. By the as I'm doing this, right, I'm looking at our internal ranking stock, and Jed is already making, Jed literally is making changes to his rankings. So I was going to say Johnny Eblen was number two. <laughs> And Chad's ranking is now number one. That's two number one votes. We also have a uh, another auspicious panelist who uh, had him as number well, one before this event. Going to be, in, going to be clear, we didn't we update these rankings post Bellator. These were from the last we update, did not. which was post yes, two ninety three, which is well, when I, I had Eblin. I was two going and yes, one. and I was going. I was going to say heading into this event. Here's where they rank, but you know what? There's no point now. We'll just say. He now has two number one votes, the Bellator middleweight champion, uh, as low as eight, as low as eight. Uh, actually, I will say all the people involved in this show today, except for me, uh, are the ones who have Evelyn in their top three. Uh, otherwise, he's in the seven or eight range. So, uh, and I'll speak for myself, not the others who have ranked him lower. Um, it is not at all like I have him at seven. That's not at all an indictment of his skill or his level of competition. I think I'm just giving a lot of credit to. Like, I'm not ready to put him above Robert Whitaker. 
This is based both on who I feel like they've beaten. And if they matched up, I still think Whitaker is a, is a tough fight for, for Johnny Elblin. I don't think that's a crazy thing to say. I don't think it's crazy to pick Johnny Elblin either. But I think Whitaker is a tough fight for him. I think Drickus Duplessis is a tough fight for him. Uh, we still have Alex Pereira in there. That would be an interesting matchup. I think Eblin would certainly be favored. And then, uh, of course, then you have Izzy and, and Sean Strickland. And a lot of people would favor Eblin over Sean Strickland as well, and maybe over Izzy. So there, there is a very strong justification to have him number one. I just can't do it yet. Um, but I will – I have to address a few things. I see in the comments already. I see it all the time. Anytime we talk about Johnny Eblin being in the top five – being number one i know ariel you know did one of those tweets after the win like uh is it time to have this conversation about where he ranks and it was filled with the most ignorant casual replies you could see people are like he doesn't fight anyone in bellator bellator's a b-league you can't be i don't know i i i, I wish we were past I, I thought we were past the point where we assumed that like oh just because someone's fighting in bellator they couldn't compete in the ufc i th- i thought people were over that i don't understand like Fabian Edwards would be a very good middleweight in the UFC. Uh, Gay guard, maybe a bit past. I don't know what you're talking about, AK. (laughs) Absolute nonsense. Michael Chandler famously came over, not even as champion. And oh, that's right. He almost immediately fought for the title and damn near won it. And he's bad. He's actually bad. Yeah. I'm old enough to remember when everyone was Or WEC like the B-Leagues. I remember, I remember those days. Pride is the B leagues. That's the weird thing, right? We have so much evidence that fighters can come over from these notable promotions and succeed in the UFC, and we actually have like less evidence that fighters from the UFC go over to, to like Bellator and dominate or go over to. That's not like that hasn't been a consistent thing. Um, But people act like, oh, if Paulo Costa went to Bellator, he'd win the like middleweight championship overnight. Like, I based on what? Like I understand based on what, and, and, and I look, our Ryan rankings Bader, are as guilty of it as anybody. Time. Of course, you you look at Ryan Bader, sure. You look and he's a great fighter. You look at our rankings, and yes, we're, we're as guilty of it as anyone. We, we rank majority UFC. There's some one championship guys in there. There's some PFL guys. We have a, a, definitely a, a healthy sprinkling of Bellator. So I, I understand. It's just we just see these guys promoted more. We see them in what are perceived to be bigger fights. But I don't think you can definitively say, "Oh, well, Fabian Edwards isn't a UFC level middleweight." Why? Anatoly Tokov is not a UFC level middleweight. That's absurd. Like that's crazy. Like he might not be. You might not rank him top fifteen, but I think he's comfortably top twenty, top twenty five. So what's? I, I need people to. There's no. The other thing is people say we give a Bellator bump, and I think it's the opposite. I think fighting for Bellator is like you have to. People are. It's taking away. Like it's it's harder for us because we have to be a little more objective. We kind of have to project. Um, and if anything, I think people aren't ranking fighters highly enough. Because they're in Bellator. Like, I, I see people say just because someone's a Bellator champion, they shouldn't be ranked high. And that's fine. That's fine. We don't think titles should determine who was good. But if you watch these guys' fights, if you watch Johnny Evelyn fight, I don't know how you can't take away from his performances that this guy would be competitive against any middleweight in the world. So if you don't want to put him number one, that's fine. I don't. Like I said, I personally don't have him in my top five. But it is ridiculous to say he doesn't have a case to be in the top fives. I, I, I think it's it's far more ridiculous to say that than to uh, suggest he's number one. I think that I think I think you can make a, make a better case for he's number one than he belongs. On That's how high on him I am on him. And as Jed illustrated, uh, when you have those nights where you know you might not look great in the beginning and you still pull out a highlight real victory, that's that's the kind of stuff that champions are made of. So not number one for me, but uh, we're gonna find it in the next couple of years. We're gonna get a real good gauge of, of where where he.
songs. And uh, number one is already in discussion. So you, you bring up interesting points. Um, so let me ask this real quick, because there's obviously the rumor and innuendo about PFL absorbing Bellator, them coming together. And Johnny Abelmeyer yesterday, you can go check that out, gave his thoughts. He's not, doesn't seem overly thrilled about it, open to it, as long as things kind of fall into place. But all in all, he feels like it's not a great thing for, you know, just everything involved. So, okay, what is the best case scenario for Johnny Eblen moving forward? Like if you were guiding him and you guys are talking, you were to call him up right now and he's like, okay, what do you with this whole thing in terms of move is it the pfl deal is it the absorption is it if they merge he should try to opt out and go somewhere else like what's the best case scenario for him after this win because this very well could have been his final bellator fight as much as i would love to see him stick around and you know rack up three four five six tile defenses again and, and sort of prove that point that it doesn't matter where you fight it's 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 one it's who you fight and again there are good middleweights uh and middleweights at the they could sign to fight in Bellator. Um, and also, again, the quality of performance, these are things we should evaluate necessarily than what promotion you fight for. That would be great. If we're talking the perfect scenario, it is still to go to the UFC. It is still to go to the UFC. Um, and, for, and really, for the reasons I mentioned, because I, I, can, I can shout from the mountaintops, I can shout to the, to the cows come home, that Bellator competition, you know, is, is on, when you get to the top five, top six, top seven, is on par with UFC. I can say it. I can say it all I want. That is not the fan perception. That, that is not the public perception as much as I want it to be. Uh, and so the best move is always to go to the UFC. I do worry a little bit that he would get low ball, that they would try and bring him in, like, oh, who's Johnny Eblen? Because even in Bellator, as, as great as he is, I don't know if he's like popular. I don't know if you could say Johnny Elvin's a popular fighter, and that matters to the UFC way more than whether he's 14-0, 15-0, 16-0, 5-Bell defenses. That doesn't matter to the UFC, unfortunately. They want to know, can this guy draw? So I still think he'd get a decent deal. I think that would be the right move if he could try and make the jump now. Uh, he's not super young. He's in his prime. Uh, middleweight is a division where I think you can get by a bit without being, you know, you can get by in your mid thirties and close to to later. Look at again, Gegard Musasi. But I'm curious to see how we do in the UFC. Maybe I'm being selfish, and I think fans are curious too, and they want to see that. So that is the ideal situation. Yes, if you could somehow get out of it um, with this uh, the sale of Bellator, he's got to make the jump. Do you agree with that, Jed? That he just. If you were guiding him, you'd just be like, hey, get me to the UFC any way, shape, or form? No. Um, I do want to address the B-League thing because here's the deal. Bellator is a B-League. Like that's that's just facts and that's fine. Um, but B-League doesn't mean fighters are shit in it. Um, it just means that they aren't – like the totality isn't the same. Football is a B-League to the NFL – and you still every year see dudes jump in their rookie seasons and be Jalen Carr. You one of the best players in the world. Like Johnny Eblen's that dude. If he jumped to UFC, he'd be fighting for a belt in a year. I would think that he wins it, but you know he's he's immediately in that mix. Like we saw with WBC, like we saw with Strikeforce, like we saw with Pride. We see happens all the time. Uh, and so if. If you are talking to Johnny Eblen and you're guiding his career and the only thing he is concerned about is his legacy, 
then yes, go to the UFC because that is where his legacy has the most to gain is, is there. We, it's just the realities of this sport. Um, it's unfortunate in some regards, but you're like all time, you know, resume will, will suffer at this stage if it, if you don't go to the UFC. So yeah, if I was doing that, but that's not what I'm doing. And that's not what his job is. His job is not legacy. His job is prize fighting. And I will basically never suggest anyone go to the UFC as a prize fighter because they probably do. I mean, they certainly pay the most writ large, but I think that you can get more money going to a PFL tournament. Johnny Eblen can win a million dollars every year, which is more than the U.S. will pay him um, doing that. So, and, you know, yeah, it easier competition writ large. There will be individual fights that are tough, but I would always say take the million dollars and fighting. They don't have a middleweight division, but they'd open it up. So fighting John Salter, the Bellator dudes, that seems like a better career choice to me. But uh, if he has the option, I think based on, you know, said to Ariel yesterday, I think he would pursue it. He would say, all right, fine. I'll go to the UFC because he will get a good enough deal. Like he probably won't get the Michael Chandler, like full throated deal, but undefeated guy. He's very quality. He's got personality. I think the UFC can see a future with him. So probably gets a good deal, probably comes in, fights Robert like that, and then immediately gets title conversation and if he wins and he can get those pay-per-view points then he can get the big bucks but uh give me the bird in the hand over dealing with you because i would personally just never want to fight for the ufc in general they seem nightmarish to deal with in that regard so yeah i would say don't do it but if you're concerned about legacy yeah go for it well they're in that car but we have to move Move on. Uh, let's talk fight announcements. Yes, the point for round two goes to. My best friend, you're on board. One to one. Good stuff. It's because I call my best my friend. I'm glad you're here because I feel you like you are. The- When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Well, listen, AK is here because he's the man, but also because we have to talk about something that happened since we last spoke. AK, you did it, and it's all your fault. We're getting a 296, the fight that you first put out into the universe, the fight that you made happen. Without you, none of this is possible. We are getting Tony Ferguson versus Patty Pimblett at UFC 296. AK, You've broken Otno forever. 
you broken the program you made this all happen your reaction to that fight has your stance changed on it at all and what has been your reaction to the collective reaction to this fight most people feeling like tony is the land going to slaughter here while other people fighters ex-fighters specifically are saying what is everyone so mad about tony ferguson's gonna want this dude what do you think of the reaction of all of this and do you want to take a little bit of a victory lap here michael my best friend stop stop it please i can't i i, I can't i've been getting praise and also him all week uh i guess we're a week now from the announcement close to a week now from the announcement i've i've taken so many victory laps i am exhausted i am dehydrated uh my muscles are aching from i point i've run more victory laps than actual laps in the race that is how uh how much i've had a chance to celebrate this truly uh ridiculously delightful matchup nothing has changed if anything seeing the discourse around it oh my goodness my my excitement has only grown i have only become more i need tomorrow like i i i've reached the point that point uh, as an mma where you get scared you're like oh man so far away from this fight happening like what what if so much can happen so patty has has dropped out of a few fights tony's up there in age he might drop out of a fight you don't know there's a lot that can happen some guy it's a cut training so i i will go as far as say this, say this mike let me say this if we're talking fight announcements if i had to choose if i had to sacrifice every other big fight that got announced recently sure this fight happens i would do it in a i want to see this i need this more than john jones stipe I need this more than uh, uh, Leon and Colby. I need more. I need this more than seeing the year of the raw dog possibly come to uh, Brandon Roy <laughs> shot as Andre Pantoja. I need this. I need this bad. I would take Patty versus Tony over all this. I think it is just a perfect example of modern UFC matchmaking slash professional wrestling booking it's the perfect it is the first fight of the tko era let me put it this the first true fight of the tko tko era even people who hate this fight like absolutely hate it, your eyes will to the screen you will there's no need if you care about patty that you can out of the people there's no way absolutely fascinated uh for every second of this fight for his last so no mike my enthusiasm is with every every day and i i just want to see this fight uh apologies for the technical difficulties our wonderful producer casey is in las vegas right for us so stand by we'll we will battle through this like we always do uh now what do you mean at all we're getting patty versus tony freaking ferguson here so uh i felt you know if i'd announcement here there had to bring i had to bring our guy back you know and, and ask him what he thought of of the contest and so i i stared down and i said does Tony Ferguson have any chance to beat Patty Pimblett or is this going to be as bad as we think it is? And 
I want to see if we can we can get this visual up there. I don't not a hundred percent certain it can, but if if you can, that that says outlook not so good, which uh, is unfortunate <laughs> because that's I agree I agree with the Magic Eight Ball in this instance. Um, Tony Ferguson is extremely washed. This is a brutal matchup, but hopefully it's the right one. You know, hopefully the eighth time is the charm. And this time, uh, when Tony loses, he can recognize that uh, it's it's time to move on. You had a great run, one of the best lightweights ever. Um, unfortunately, you never got to fight for an undisputed title, which is a, a crying shame. But interim champion, it's that that's a good career, man. And it's time to hang it up. And hopefully, uh, this is the last one because. This is the most transparently garbage making I've ever seen in my life. We've got a man on a seven-fight win streak. Uh, there's, there is no explanation for this other than exactly what it is on its face, and I am just hoping that everybody leaves here with as many of their faculties as possible. Can... Patty Pimblett gain anything from this? Like this is one that I've been thinking about because on the surface, I've grown into the matchup a little yes. bit more. I'm like, all right, I get it. Like maybe Tony can win and like that's – it's possible. And it would be objectively one of the craziest things to happen in an already crazy year. Like imagine a world where Tony Ferguson just kind of ends all of the Patty hype after losing six in a row. It would just be absolutely insane. But – Jed, what what does Patty gain here? Like if he Michael Bisbing said it, I don't agree with a lot of what Michael Bisbing says about a lot of things, but he did say something that I do absolutely agree with. I think Patty had a complete lose lose situation here because if he loses to Tony Ferguson, he's in he's in right moving forward. He could still fight in London and get the star treatment over there. And if he wins, I don't think he gets anything here. Like, I don't think the fans are going to be like, oh, we love this guy now. Wow, he just beat Tony Ferguson. No, people love Tony Ferguson. He's lost six in a row. So, like, what does Patty gain? Am I crazy to think he gains nothing from any result? No, he gets, so he doesn't gain much, but he does gain this. Um, and it's that, I mean, this is, again, this is the biggest name on his resume by a mile. It's not even close. Yes, the stage he's at in his career means that really does this add much to the resume? No, but what this does add is Tony Ferguson for his many flaws, and I have never been a particularly big Tony fan in general. Um, the man is is going to talk. He's going to be a vibrant um, you know, personality. He is going to make a build of this, and this gets to be the feature fight on the final pay-per-view of the card and unlike jared gordon or uh luigi vengermi whoever else like there is a real foil here to build the fight tony's going to say a bunch of stuff half of it's going to be insane he's going to tweet in uh with all capitalized first letters of words he's going to do all that there's going to be a build here casual observers aren't going to care they maybe remember tony from his big run couple losses but they're not gonna remember all six of them or whatever and so ultimately for the casual fan this will be a bigger thing and mostly this is just an appeal to to stardom for or patty yes this doesn't mean much meritocratically or, or really to the resume but this does let him get a 
big rebound spot against a guy who is going to make this feel like a moment and an event and and a real promotional partner, which is something I think Patty doesn't need, but is always nice to have if you're not the only dude carrying that lift there. So I get it. Um, it's just it's awful, but I get it. AK, what could Patty gain from this? Do you feel the same as Jed that he could gain something? Or I do kind Big of time. feel like he's going to lose the spot. Now, I think Patty, I do feel like Patty can gain something if it just depends on his attitude in this fight. I think if he's very respectful to Tony before, during, and after and puts him over the entire time and doesn't buy it. Cause you know, Tony's not going to do that. Tony's going to sit there and be like, I'm going to kill this dude. He's going to say a bunch of crazy stuff like Jed said, but if Patty can kind of keep his composure and just be respectful of Tony and treat him like a legend and all of that still win, I feel like he can gain something. I feel like his perception can change somewhat because the perception isn't great after the Jared Gordon fight. So outside of that, can he gain anything? I, I, you guys are, are barking the wrong tree. I've been saying he has a lot to gain from this matchup from the beginning. I still think he does. Name value means a lot. Name value means a lot. And I get it. I see the comments. Here's the thing. Commenters, you guys are smart MMA fans. Michael, Jed, Casey in the truck. Whoa, you guys whoa. are smart MMA do, fans. Do not say that about our commenters. <laughs> I will say that. that our our com- commenters we have the smartest here. Viewership. Oh, Johnny Eblin's or whatever i wouldn't say they're smart they're they have the right to their opinion all right this is america or i'm in canada but i mean everything's america when you think about it uh oh my gosh what was i going with oh yes uh this guy has name value this guy has (laughs) name value there is a casual there is a casual segment of fans out there who probably don't know the depths to which uh tony perkins career has fallen they don't they they know him as the, the didn't that guy almost fight habib uh, didn't that guy, isn't that the guy who won like 50 straight fights? Isn't that the guy who fought like Justin Gaethje? He's fought all the great fighters. This is who he is in the minds of a lot of people. Um, even if you don't, even if you are a smarter fan and more educated, you're like, oh my God, Tony has lost six straight fights. Tony is still just, he's just a much bigger name than anyone that Patty has fought. And just importantly, we all thought this fight was never going to happen for ver- for various reasons. Not necessarily because Tony's like, ranked so much higher above him at this point, but I, no one ever thought he could get a fight like this at this point. Uh, guy who is, I don't know where people would rank him now, but recently as year, I think was still in the UFC's 15. I could be wrong. I could be wrong. Either way, not far removed. Not far removed. So this is way ahead, name-wise and rankings-wise, of anyone that Patty has fought. So if we're being smart and we're being really breaking it down looking to it and we're dealing with like the re- situation or beating tony ferguson in the year of our lord 2023 on the run of form that he's on should not do much for him but there's a lot of things about patty that shouldn't work that shouldn't his 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 fame is so outsized compared to his skill already uh that and, and that it's it he's always had probably more to lose than to gain in a lot of these matchups right at least in this case he has a name Someone that will look good on the resume. It, it won't look good once they click through to Tony Ferguson's resume and then see where he was at when Patty beat him. But if you're just looking at Patty's resume, you see these names and then there's Tony Ferguson on there. So superficially and from a promotional standpoint, I actually think it does a lot. It does a lot. I don't think it's lose-lose. I think it's big win, but also big lose. Because yes, if he loses to Pat, uh, Tony, 
it'd be friggin' hilarious, uh, and it would and would permanently remove him from any contender conversation ever. So it's high risk, but I don't agree that it's no reward. It is actually high reward. And again, this will this will be one of the most talked about fights of the last quarter of the year. Uh, it already is. I shouldn't say will be. It already is, and that doesn't happen with an opponent besides. Tony Ferguson, unless they give him an actual top 15 guy. So I think he's already gained from this and will gain even more uh, come fighting. I think AK a, inadvertently a touched on an important piece of this fight, Mike, which is, I've said it many times and I'm going to keep saying it and stand by it. 2023 is the funniest year in MMA history. And if there was ever a time for Tony Ferguson to fight somebody like Patty Pimblett, this do it because just the the coup de gras, the capper on, undeniably the funniest year in the history of this sport, would be Tony and Patty um, in this transparently awful fight. And honestly, that alone <laughs> might make me bet on Tony because I might never stop laughing. And I'm not a Tony fan, but it would just be unbelievably funny if it happened. And by the way. Even this extremely hilarious uh, Patty loses. It doesn't end his like career as a fighter. It ends us talking about him again. Not not the memory, but it ends even the, that glimmer of like maybe Patty can be a top fifteen guy. That's over. That's over if he loses to Tony. But it doesn't end his career. It he'll, he'll, him and his team will know how to play off it. They'll have a laugh about. Dylan Dennis hasn't fought in like three years, and he has a legion of sycophants. So I'm saying the cult of personality that I think Pimblet has, which again, I think is only growing with this matchup, uh, it will ensure that he still has a career. So as hilarious as it be if he loses, it doesn't, it's that's the other aspect of it. Financially, notoriety-wise, he can lose to Tony and still have like three more years of being considered a uh, a headline name in the business. That's just how MMA works. So I that's I God, I love this man. I love it. <laughs> this is incredible uh listen there's a lot more we, we could talk about there's other fights that were made uh we we're going to talk about some other things um so we're going to award the point for round three here the point for round three goes to we're making history here it's a 10 10 round it's a draw which one to one and Wow. Why was that not AK, the uh, man who created this fight? He hates this matchup so uh, much. I don't think you understand how much this man has hated oh, this. So it should be one. a 10-8 round hated for me it. then. Right. I feel like I just no, got I, I just penalized for grabbing the fence or something. It's a 10-10 round. Uh because due to the lack of time, uh, we have the Canelo versus Charlo press conference coming up at the top of the hour. Uh, oh. We're just going to go right into the knockout round right now. We're going to go right all into right. the knockout round right now. And the beauty of the timing of all of this. Yes. So this is, this is, is a tough fight. We've had we three rounds, tie, extra yes. round to determine the champion. Sudden victory. Oh, now I understand. Now victory. you've put it in terms I understand. Thank you, Shed. I knew, I knew you yes. needed to help, AK, but I knew that this could get across <laughs> for you. Yes. Yes. But AK, because you were so compelling and because you did put this fight into the universe and it is all your fault or you deserve all the praise depending on which side you're on, uh, I'm going to let you choose. Do you want to go first or do you want to go last? You get first choice. First, always. Okay. Well, 
Luckily at this time, this is, this is about the time I have to ask this question. And this is probably my favorite knockout round question. It created two years ago, uh, one of the greatest moments in the history of this show. And I'm hoping we can, we can make this happen again. So AK, because we have a lot of fight announcements and because most of the main event and co-main events are locked up for the rest of the year in terms of big title it's bouts. And I know there may be stars. Uh, my question for you in 60 seconds or less simple. What is your bold prediction for the fourth quarter of the UFC's calendar year? What is the bold prediction? Jed Mishu famously said Juliana Pena was going to beat Amanda Nunes and become the women's bantamweight champion, and he nailed it. What is your Pena v. Nunes-esque bold prediction for the fourth go? This is an easy one for me because this is a bold prediction that I, I've, I've planted the seeds for, I want to say beginning of the year, but even before that, because this fighter is a fighter who I enjoy everything about them, except for one very, very specific part of them, <laughs> uh, their, their nickname, their nickname. But I said at the beginning of the year, Mike early write about anything, uh, especially when we do the who will be champs by the end of the year, but on a lark, flyweight i said brandon roy val i said i had a feeling he's going to sneak into the title picture sure enough they announced that Pantasia, uh roy val rematch right right there right right at the end of the year and i think roy val can win it man i love pantoja i think the idea of him being a one and done champ because i feel like it took him so long to get there and i don't want him to like be discredited if he doesn't defend it but it's the year guys i can't believe it and this is going to like carry over to 2024 2023, the year of the raw dog, and Brandon Roy Balming, uh, one of the stars of uh, 2024 as well. Can't believe it. Okay, now I know what some of you are thinking. AK, that's not really bold. Like there is a world where we can visualize Brandon Roy Bell winning this fight. However, what makes this prediction so incredible is that on our on to the next one 2023 prediction show, you predicted Brandon Roy Bell would end the year as the flyweight champion. Yes. So if this happens. This this might be the first like non-champion kind of out of the box pick that one of us has had. That's also come plus two hundred. So. Plus two hundred. Might as well like uh, maybe like get the, right now. Maybe buy or something. Maybe invest in a AK. Perhaps invest in a Magic Eight Ball. Jed, this is your category. This is your question. You've nailed these. What is the bold prediction for the remainder of twenty twenty three? In the UFC, maybe, you know, if you want to go a little bit outside, you want to get a little crazy with this, you can. Go. So uh, I wanted to say that my bold prediction was going to be Alex Pereira is going to uh, knock out Yuri Prohashko, but that's actually the betting favorite at this point, which I did not realize. So that's a shame. So I'm left with two options here, Mike, and I don't – I'm going to throw one of them out very briefly because we just talked about it. I think I'm going to talk myself into Tony Ferris and beating Patty Pimblett, but we already talked about that. We don't want to rehash that. So in my last 35 seconds, I'm going to tell you, it's been the funniest year. It stayed the funniest year. And you know what else would be fucking funny as hell, Mike Heck? Do you know what would be so unbelievably funny? It's coming up next month. Saudi Arabia. There's a little boxing match going down. Tyson Fury, one of the best boxers have you... Ganu Amin, who can barely throw a one-two. We just saw the training that he looks out of his depth. He's out of his element, Donnie. And it doesn't matter because the gods are chaotic this year. Entropy, Mike. 
entropy. Francis who knocks out Tyson Fury. Oh, wow! If this happens, Jed, you you might you're you the champion for forever. Bold. I mean, you've already yes, you've made some incredible moves already with the Tanya pick, the pick, all of this. Uh, Casey, we'll bring you in. Uh, you're the man with the controls here. You're the man who has to get ready for this press conference. Are we gonna do big, or are you just gonna pick the winner? Either way is uh, is fuck me. It's been a chaos show. Uh, what do we think here in Las Vegas? Now? All right, sorry. Can you hear me? Yeah, yes. we sure okay. can, buddy. The room is blasting. Right? There's, there's, there's like ten thousand. When we started, this room was empty, and then all of a sudden, like fifty thousand people came in this room. So, apologies. They're all watching. They all saw yeah, me yeah, predict yeah. the future. But um. I am going to pick the winner today. Not the fans. Okay. Not my cake. Full and a winner score at today, full power. Yeah. Is. Because I always think it's funny when he says raw dog. AK Lee. AK! All right. That's all it takes. That's all it takes. It I know done. my audience. <laughs> Oh, man. Well done, AK. Congratulations, my friend. You, you just knew. You knew it was going to happen. You started with the, the Chandler Jones tweets trying to get Jed off of his game, and apparently yeah, it's yeah. paid off. Just uh, any final words for the people? Uh, thanks, any everyone, final for tuning in. Thank you, everyone, for just, I don't know, generally being cool people and watching our shows and reading MMAfighting.com. And, uh, yeah, thank well, you, Keith, for you know handling this on site i know it's getting crazy out there but yeah we should we got to do we got stuff to do and uh thank you just for having me on yes jed how do you feel the decision clip it come for my mentions october 30 26th or whatever day it is when it happens i'm the only man on wax with it just make sure y'all remember same with pena we're gonna do the same thing Chaos, baby. Let's go. We're going to hit him with the chaos hammer. I love it. Can you love ask the, the eight hammer, ball chaos first, card please? Being slammed down. Can we get the eight ball? No. Can no, eight no ball? you can't ask the eight ball. ball. This this I got this. Oh, no. I got oh. this. I got that. <laughs> um, all right, Casey, you can hit the exit music. We are done. Uh, appreciate everyone sticking with us with the technical difficulties. Back next week, we'll be less chaotic here on the program we'll have some things to talk about i'm sure we will get you ready for ufc vegas 80 and so much more so for ak for jed i'm mike hack like ak said appreciate you watching all the shows listening to all the programming i'm here to tell you there's more to come this day with mmafighting.com love y'all listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. The NBA playoffs are heating up and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. 
Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible. Eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources.